0: All right, well, I had a, uh, a phone conversation uh, with somebody a few years ago, not from our church, so don't, don't be trying to figure out who it is, but somebody that had an addiction to pornography, and uh, more than anything else, they wanted to be free. This guy had struggled for years, actually for decades, with this sort of addiction. And uh, I mean, it cost him his marriage. It cost him thousands and probably tens of thousands of dollars uh, over the years. And it was one of those things that it just kept dogging him. He wanted to be free. He would, he would take a good step or two, but he would get dragged back in. And I can remember having a conversation with him and, and him just saying, man, I don't know. I, is there any way I can be free? I'm not so sure there is. And he had, he had, you know, prayed at different times. He'd had people pray for him, and he's like, man, I'm." he kind of just had this agony in the back of his mind in, 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 in what he was asking. Can anybody set me free from this life of sin? I've got another friend that's been struggling uh, for decades with anger and unforgiveness and sort of a critical spirit, just sort of a generational sin that has been passed down uh, generation after generation. And they emailed me a while back and they said, this. this is a quote, they said, I really believe that the shackles of family bondage are part of my skin. They're part of my thinking of who I am and what I do on a moment by moment basis. I can't get rid of it. It's a prison, they said, that seems to have no key. For me, it's the never-ending screaming of fear, of perfectionism, of legalism with myself and with others, my over-demanding critical spirit, negativism, and just being ashamed of who I am as a person. It's in me deep down, they said, like a cancer, and I hate it. They ended the email by asking me to pray for them, that they could really believe that God could set them free, that God could change them because, as they said, they said, because I just don't believe it anymore. I'll tell you what, friends, I I don't know about you, but I hear this kind of stuff all the time. Just underneath the surface, oftentimes, people are asking, can I really be forgiven? Can I really be free? Can there really be life change? Is there something more? or am I just stuck in the same old ruts and the same old patterns, the same old behaviors that have been dogging me for years? Who can free me? Who can set me free from this struggle that I'm living in? Can I really change, or is this as good as it gets? With it's pornography that's crippling us, whether it's anger or bitterness or lust or gossip, an affair, divorce, something in your past, an addiction of some kind, just ruts that just keep going. It doesn't matter what it is. Many of us are wondering if we can truly find freedom. I was reading this week, and this is from a paraphrase called The Message, but it's a paraphrase of Romans 7, uh, chapter 14 through 24, where Paul's speaking, and I think it just brings it into Uh, real life language. I love the way that just listen to this. And I think you can hear the same kind of heart, even from the apostle Paul, right? Even from who is a giant in God's kingdom. Listen to this. He says this. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I am not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act a completely different way doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious to me that God's commands are necessary, that God's truth is necessary. But I need something more. For if I I know the law and I know God's desires, but I still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but that I do anyway. My decisions, such as they are, he says, don't result in action. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment that I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. He says, I truly delight in God's commands. I want to do what's right here, right? but it's pretty obvious to me that uh, not all of me joins in this delight. Part of me covertly rebels, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I tried everything, and nothing seems to help. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Ever felt that way before? Ever felt like you've tried to kick that habit or that sin or that cycle, whatever it is, but you just can't seem to lick it? The very thing that you are trying to beat ends up beating you. Ever try to leave uh, to live in excuse me, this new life that God has for you, but then been sucked back in and dragged back in just to the regular ruts of life that seem to plague us? So much so that you finally kind of throw up your hands in utter defeat ever ended up feeling hopeless, like you could never find freedom, that God could never forgive you, that God could never bust through because it's just pointless and you just keep going down this path again and again and again. Well, if you've ever felt like this, I think... I think Romans has some stuff to say to us today. This, I want you to keep walking with me through this. Romans 7, the passage I just read, Paul describes the hopelessness and the frustration and the bondage, the, the even addiction that he has felt and wrestled with to sin, and to, that addiction to sin. And he ends the passage by asking this huge rhetorical question, is there no one? who can save me? Is there nobody that can do anything for me? Is there no one that can set me free? And the old NIV says this, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Who can do it? He's like, I'm sick of it. I've just been around this hamster wheel again and again and again and again. Is there no one that can get me off this, mar- this downward spiral, this merry-go-round from hell, right? Is there no one that can set me free? And then he goes on and he answers his own rhetorical question. This is what I want us to, to focus in on today. Romans seven twenty-five through 8, 4, he says this. He says, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He goes on in eight, uh, chapter 8 to say, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by our flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, but, but not sinful, right, to be a sin offering for us. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Yeah, it's a little, uh, it's got some churchy words and whatever, but stick with me. Here's, the, here's kind of the big idea, the big picture of what God, God's saying. He's saying, on our own, sin enslaves us, right? It tethers us to itself. It dogs <laughs> us every step of the way. When we try to move towards God and live his way on our own, sin ends up tripping us up and we fall. When we try to move towards freedom and the new life that he gives us on our own, sin is always there to stop us in our tracks. Sin will disillusion. It will separate us from God. It will destroy and ensnare us. It will fill us with guilt and shame and on and on. Even when we want to do good, we so often find ourselves choosing sin and selfishness our way rather than God's way. It's just a giant downward spiral and we can so easily get sucked into us, choosing sin again and again. We can end up feeling hopeless and defeated and distant from God. We can find ourselves saying like Paul, who can free me? Who can pull me out of this downward spiral? Who can break the chains that bind me to my sin? Who can rescue me and free me and give me new life? And then Paul stops and he says, he says this by faith. He says by faith, clinging to the only hope that he has, the only hope that we have for freedom and forgiveness in new life. He says this, but thanks be to God, the one who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's saying, because of Jesus, he's saying, there is no condemnation. Because of Jesus, he says, the spirit of life has set me free and has set you free. Because of Jesus, he says, my sin debt has been wiped out, and I am forgiven, and I am free, period. Maybe even exclamation point. (laughs) I wonder if there's some of us that need to hear that and be reminded of that truth this morning as we have maybe fallen back into coasting or into into patterns and ruts of sin again and again. I wonder if we need to be reminded that because of Jesus, because of his love, because of his sacrifice, that we are free. The the cords have been cut. (laughs) Suddenly there is freedom to live a new life, not on our own, but in Christ, in his power, with his authority. There's good stuff in store. Well, today we're gonna be celebrating communion And communion is a practice that is instituted by Jesus and it's given to us to remind us of the freedom, of the forgiveness, of the new life that are all ours because of Christ, because of the cross, his life, his death, his resurrection. If you and I belong to Jesus, then the reality is you are free. You are forgiven. You are made new. You are empowered by his spirit to live a new life with him. If you are in Christ, then you are a new creation, the Bible says. New life has been given to you. Jesus left communion for us because he knew that we would need the reminder, right, about who we are, about the severity of sin, and about the supremacy of Christ and his sacrifice for us. That's what communion does, and that's kind of what I want us to just think on for a moment before we receive communion this morning. The first thing I'll just say, communion reminds us of us, right? It reminds us of, of how big a deal sin is. It reminds us, like I said, that on our own, we are enslaved to sin, that we are hopelessly unable to break free. Communion reminds us that we, if you are a sinner, and how many of us would, we say, would say we're sinners? Good. For those of you that uh, didn't raise your hand, denial ain't just a river in Egypt, right? I mean, it's like that kind of thing, right? right? It's sort of a universal thing, right? The Bible teaches that if you are human, if you are on this planet, all of us have a bent towards sin. We've stumbled into it again and again and again and again we've chose it willingly and we've chose it by nature right we just kind of stumble over that again the bible reminds us that the that the trajectory of sin leads to death and on our own man there is a there's a hopeless sort of situation it reminds us that sin is a huge deal. In fact, every time sin is mentioned in the Bible, there's there's three responses that are commanded. One of three, right? At least one uh, of these three are commanded. The first thing, when, when sin is mentioned, especially in, in the New Testament, but throughout the Bible, the, the, the only appropriate response for those of us that are followers of Jesus is to flee from it, right? They're saying, run away. If there is sin, if there is temptation, this says, take steer clear take a wide berth around it so you do not fall into sin right it's a big deal it'll kill you it's trash it's junk it'll wreck your life it's it's foul. And so we're just told avoid it flee from temptation we're told that right again and again and again flee from it run away run away that kind of a thing the second, for those of us, uh, I mean, when, when the time comes and it happens to all of us, where it's not just temptation, but where we actually stumble into and find ourselves uh, entangled in sin in one way or another, whether it's an ongoing or a one-time, there's, there's two other responses that we're told to have to sin. If, again, uh, if you're a believer, here's the two things. Right? He's, the first one is to confess it which means to come clean, to, de- to declare yourself guilty before God. And I think that's just an interesting one. Oftentimes, uh, especially in today's day and age, we're not really one to own our own sin. We'd rather kind of explain it away. We'd kind of rather, oh, that's not sin. See, I, I was good-hearted about it. It just looked like sin. But really, I was, I mean, you know what I mean? We kind of try to talk our way around it. We try to justify ourselves. But as long as we do that, you want to know what happens? We stay trapped in sin we do it's dogging us up it's wrapping itself around our legs and you will fall it keeps us captive as long as we keep fighting with god no i'm okay no i can it's okay it keeps us further and further from god it's it's when we agree with him when we finally humble ourselves and say you know what i blew it again i've gone my own i've turned away from you I've pursued rubbish instead. It's when we agree with him and we turn back, that's where we find grace, right? That's where we find the good stuff. First John tells us that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's where the good stuff comes. When we find ourselves struggling with sin or entangled by sin or having fallen again and again. Don't try to justify or rationalize. Uh, I remember hearing one time, right, rationalize is really just rational lies. It's just lying to ourselves about what it is, what sin is. Don't find, don't rationalize it. Instead, own it. Confess it. And that takes us to the third one which is repent of. It's a biblical word. It's a fancy word, right? When when we are sinning, we are quite literally walking away from Jesus, walking towards sin. It's going our own way. It's going the way that we want. Repentance is nothing more than turning away from sin and turning back to Jesus, turning back to God, right? And, And saying, man, I'm sorry. I blew it. Would you forgive me? Repentance, confession, and repentance. Those are the two practices that lead us back towards freedom, that lead us back towards God. It's when we practice those things that the floodgates of grace <laughs> open up and we are swept and just made clean. We're washed. We're set free. It's where the good stuff begins. So when we celebrate communion, we're reminded about the severity, what a big deal that sin is, and that the the only things, the only appropriate responses for us are to flee from it, to confess, you know, to confess it and repent. The second thing that the communion reminds us of is that it reminds us of the cross. It reminds us of the great love of God, that although the, the reality is for us is that we are kind of stuck in this sin cycle. Communion is a time that we're reminded that Christ came, that God came in human form, and He came down because He loved us so much He couldn't stand to see us separated from Him. And so He came down, He lived a perfect life, He took our sin upon Him, and He died on the cross to pay the death penalty that your sins and my sins deserve. He died, but that's not the end of the story, is it? And he rose again, and now he says, you know what? For those who turn, who come and put their faith and trust in me, he says, I will come and live inside of them. I will forgive them. I will make them new. I will put my spirit in them and I will empower them and lead them and direct them and make them more like me day after day after day. I will set them free and and lead them on such a life they can't even imagine. Communion reminds us of the significance of sin and the ways we have fallen short, and it reminds us of the ways that Christ is more than enough to pay for our sins, that His immensity, his his supremacy in all things is more than enough to wipe out the worst sin, to make us new, to set us free, and to lead us on the path towards heaven from this moment forward, from from the moment we turn to him and put our trust in him. It reminds us of how big a deal sin is, but how it's even a bigger deal the cross is the price that Christ paid so that we could be forgiven and free and have new life. Communion, friends, it's sort of an act of faith proclaiming that we are forgiven and we are free, not because of our actions. We could never be enough or do enough to earn His approval, to earn His forgiveness or His salvation, but it is available free of charge to us through Jesus, right? It's a proclamation saying, no, on my own, I have turned my back. I have walked away But thanks be to God, right? Romans 7, because of Christ, he is more than enough. He is the Savior. He has come and rescued me. He has set me free from the law of sin and death, and he has saved me and put me on a path towards life. He sent his spirit and his power to live inside of me. And sometimes you and I just need to be reminded, don't we? We just need to be reminded that Christ is more than enough. For everything we need in life, for salvation to to cut us free from those ruts to make us new and to lead us home, oh, I could keep going on this for a while, but I think uh, i 'm going to transition us uh, yeah, I think i 'm going to transition us um, into a time of communion we 're going to do things a little bit differently today, you can probably tell because. I've got a gigantic trash can up front. <laughs> it's not your normal Sunday morning decor. But uh, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're trying to, to make today a little bit more experiential. E- Eric and I were talking earlier this week and talking about it's just so hard. Communion is one of those things that, that in the church, it's sort of the churchy thing to do, right? You kind of show up, you take some chip and dip and you kind of throw it down. You kind of walk on and go on with your day. It's hard to keep it fresh and to keep it focused on the meaning and the significance. Right? Kind of of what it's all about. Jesus didn't set up communion just to be some religious festival or something. He set it up because he knew we needed it. We needed, to, we needed to, to have a time to come clean with our sin, right? To confess it and lay it down before him, to repent and turn back to him and receive his grace afresh and be reminded of his sacrifice and his love, which is more than enough. He knew that we needed it, and so today we're gonna we're gonna do a, a little bit different. I put a piece of wadded up paper on your on your seat when you, sh- when you came in today. You should have found one if you didn't. There's some extras on the table in back, but this I wadded it up to look like trash <laughs> because that's what it is, right? This represents our sin, and uh, and so I put a piece of paper down for each one of us. I just was thinking. Uh, this week, and there's all kinds of biblical examples of it, but I'll tell you what, if you want to stop, put a barrier between you and God, if you want to feel like He's at a long way away, if you want to kind of stop your spiritual growth, then hold on to unrepentant, unconfessed sin. Just hold on to it as much as you want, and all of a sudden, there will be this wall that starts being formed. Your heart will, your heart will get harder and harder and harder. And yet, the moment we confess and the moment we turn to God, we agree with Him, we confess it, and we turn back to Him. Man, I'm telling you what, like I said, it's like the floodgates get broken and His grace washes in. Communion's meant to be that, and so we put this piece of paper here as a way to symbolize your sin, and we're gonna take a few minutes, uh, not, not yet, but in a moment I'm gonna have... Uh, Maggie comes. She's going to play some soft music. We're going to have some opportunity just to reflect on on our our own sin. Both sins of commission, which are the things we do, right? Like, you can be like, well, I blew up at this person, or I looked at something I wasn't supposed to, or I was selfish, or I lied, or I mean, the things that we do, right? It could be addictions, it could be patterns, things that, that happen again and again and again. Sins of commission, but also sins of omission. Things we didn't do. Like, I didn't put God first. I've just been living my own way. I've been going my own way. Right? That's a sin, but it's not something we did, it's something we didn't do. It could be stuff that we're holding back from him. It could be who knows what. Sins of the nice people. Things that things that we typically think, oh, they're okay. They're not like killing somebody, so it's fine, right? I can just No. That's rational lies. Right? Let's take sin seriously. Sin cost Jesus his life. That's how big a deal it is. So we're going to take some time. We're going to confess it, and, and I'm just going to encourage you. Uh, the psalmist kind of encourages us just to just to pray and open ourselves up and say, would you point out any sin that's in me? And Would you lead me in the life everlasting? Would, it, just, you know, point it out, God, and I just encourage you to, to let that be your prayer today. God, is there sin? Is there stuff that's standing in the way? Is there stuff that, that just Maybe it's just the cyclical kind of stuff. Maybe it's just something that you've been avoiding. Whatever. Write that stuff down on this uh, piece of paper. And again, in a moment, when you're ready, after you've kind of confessed it, I'm going to invite you to wad it up. Bring it up here and throw it away. Throw it away in the trash. There's, uh, there's actually uh, one of the words that gets used for... You can, stick with me. There's, there's a connection here. But one of the words that get, gets used uh, in the Bible that refers to hell actually refers to a city dump outside the, the city of Jerusalem that was used. You know, it, it, it just it forms a graphic picture, right? A, a place where maggots are eating stuff, where there's death and destruction and just disintegration. How does a dump smell typically? foul, right? It's horrible. It's nasty. No one wants to be there. And and the word gets used in a way God's saying that's a picture. That's a snapshot of what hell's going to be like, of sin full grown, right? It's trash. It's garbage. It is nothing. And so we're going to confess it. We're going to wad it up. We're going to throw it in the trash can. And then there's something uh, I think powerful about tangibly doing something. So then we're going to turn repentance, right? Turning from our sin we're going to turn back to the cross we're going to confess it to him just in your own heart and say God would you forgive me for this and this and this again anything that the Lord brings to mind and then once we're done with that we're going to invite you to come to one of these uh communion stations and we're going to have somebody on both ends and you can come and and uh and and take the the bread and and take the cup and as you do we're going to remind you this is this is like the body and blood of Christ which was poured out for you so that you could be made new, so that you could be forgiven, that sin could be done away with, and you can move forward in his power. I'm gonna encourage you to receive community, as you do, remember both the severity of sin, but also remember the supremacy of Jesus and what he's done, his sacrifice on the cross, what he's done for you, so that you can be forgiven and free and then if you're willing, uh, after, after you take the, the bread and the cup, we're going to just lay a hand on you and pray for you. And as we do, we're going we're gonna to thank God first and foremost that in Christ, if you have put your faith and your hope in Jesus, then you are forgiven. It is finished. Your sins have been paid in full as they were on the cross. Period right? That's it. And then we're going to just pray for strength by God's spirit to live in the new life that he has for you. We're going to pray for God's blessing on you and send you out today with, with that kind of a blessing. And so when you're done with that, you can go back to your seats and just hopefully you go back with a, a joyful heart celebrating what uh, what Christ has done for you. And, uh, and uh, we've got one more final kind of closing song we'll sing at the end and we'll be done for the day. But uh, the communion table, I, I say this quite often, it's a, it's a place for sinful people like you and me to come. It's a place where we come, we confess, and we lay down our sins before the cross. And we remember what Christ has done to free us. And we open up our heart and life. We, we proclaim, God, we're so dependent on you, Jesus, on what you've done for us, on your grace. We need you. We take the bread and the bread we, take, we drink the cup and we remember his grace that was poured out for us so that we could be forgiven and free. So we come to the table remembering our sin. We walk away remembering that because of Christ, we are free. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, with that, I'm going to uh, invite our, our peeps to come up front. Uh, our, uh, Tina and Ryan and Britt are gonna be helping me out. I'm praying and Maggie's gonna come and, and play some keys for us today. Um, and I'm just going to pray for us and then we'll, we'll kind of have some time and just again, just use this time you don't need to rush right up or whatever just spend some time confessing and pondering asking God to reveal what you need to confess to Him today come up, throw it away, turn to the cross and confess it to Him receive communion, get prayed for and then, and then back to your seats, alright this is time for you and the Lord, let's pray God, we do thank you so much for your grace for this. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for your amazing love that, that took you there, that took you to the cross so that we can be forgiven, so that we could be brought back home to the Father, so that we could receive your spirit, so that we could walk and live with you and one day uh, go home and be with you forever. I pray in these next moments, God, that you would just minister in ways that only you can, that you would set people, set the captives free this morning, that you would bring good news to hearts that desperately need it, that there would be chains of sin and even generational sin that would be broken, that would be bust off today because of the power of the cross, because of of, uh, the salvation of our God through Jesus Christ. I pray people would receive blessing from you, that they would tangibly sense and receive your grace this morning and would leave free. Just lead and direct this time, God. We offer ourselves, we offer this time to you. In Jesus' name.